0: Welcome to the Therapists on Fire podcast where I interview leaders in allied healthcare, entrepreneurs, and those on the path to financial independence. Welcome to the Therapists on Fire podcast. I'm so excited to be here with Dr. Donna Lampke. She's a physical therapist and we're really going to dive deep into burnout where is our profession going? Why is everyone in healthcare leaving? And then also we're gonna talk about her hidden talents, resume writing and sort of career mentorship and getting you on the right path to find any career you want to. Thank you so much, Donna, for being here. Um, I really wanted to start with what we were talking about just before we got on the podcast about burnout and sort of how you saw this big shift from where you first became a physical therapist and and sort of the vibe of the career. And now there's so much burnout and share that story.
1: It's so, Emma, it's so interesting to me because I've been a PT for 28 years and I've, I've done it with so much love and so much passion and I still have it, but I can feel where what's going on in our profession is, is beating me down. And I have so many, colleagues that are are going through the same thing. And up until I, I literally believe 24 years ago, none of us ever spoke about burnout. Nobody left the profession to do, I think I knew three people that left. And now all I hear is what else can I do? What am I trained to do? Is anybody hiring? They go and try and then they go, I can't make any money. And Nobody, everybody is struggling so badly with work-life balance. Yes. And it's just, there's a lack of, I don't know. It's just, I, and I've seen it in the work environment that the collaboration and feeling valued, nobody felt, I don't think most of us feel very valued in the workplace. We value our jobs and we certainly value our patients. And that, that's something that hasn't changed the generation of therapists that are coming along. We all care, but I think they're overwhelmed at going, is this really gonna be my life? We used to work every sixth weekend. We got to go home at 4.30. You could go to the Y, you could work out, you could see your family. That's the kind of thing that's changing. And I know that a lot of the work schedules, like a lot of people like working for tips, and, but they don't feel like there's any, they get tired of the constant pressures. I mean, isn't that what you're hearing from people?
0: A hundred percent. I think that, I I mean, I don't know if there's one cause for burnout, but I mean, at least from what I have felt and feeling and from what my peers have talked about, I think there's a number of different factors. I think there's the productivity, just the sheer volume of patients that we're seeing. and in and, and that we're just limited in the amount of time we can treat them like we're only really able to spend just a couple minutes and then we have to pass them on to the pta or an aide. i think i think definitely documentation time and the amount of documentation and even like the liability that comes with documentation i think that that is definitely a contrib- contributing factor um, and i even think the discrepancy with pay, the fact that we are coming out with such high student loans, but yet not really at a level that is equitable to be able to pay that off in a reasonable time. You know, uh, physicians, yes, they go to school for a long time like us, but, uh, you know, they have their residency. But really, other than that, they only go to school one more year longer than us. But they have similar debt... But look at the pay difference. Exactly. The pay difference. You know, they're going to be.
1: That's one yeah. of the concern. You know, one thing that you look at the, we should be paid as mid-level providers because that's the level we're educated at, at least, if not more. We've gone to school a lot, you know, another year longer than a PA nurses. Now what they're having to do to get the nursing, the NP, they're looking at making that a doctorate. So they're going to be going to school longer, but yet, our max salaries are what they come out making. Yes. And the reason why is supply and demand. And so that's why I really, I feel like as a profession, we need to really band together and, and ask the people that are up there in the APTA or whatever, how are we taking care of ourselves? And these, I know so many new young therapist with $120,000 of debt. What's that going to do to your work-life balance? You know, that's a mortgage. Yes. That's your first conduct. That's your first house. And are you going to have to delay it? And then you're working these hours and the productivity and you feel like you're being, you can beat the caring out of anybody. And there's nobody that goes into this profession or the healthcare profession that doesn't care. But it's interesting. I work now in the home healthcare environment. And so people have gone through hospitals and skilled nursing and all kinds of avenues. And they all talk about how it didn't seem like anybody cared. And I I always tell them something's wrong with the system. These are caring people. And if you feel like they don't care about you, somebody's not treating them. The right way. You know, this patient experience, it would 100% improve if the employee experience was better.
0: I agree with that. I think a lot of companies are asking, you know, how can we make the patient experience better? But they're forgetting that who's the main person that is seeing the patient it's the therapists, it's the nurses, it's the doctors, it's the general staff. And if your general staff isn't healthy, isn't happy, then your patients aren't going to be happy because they're going to see that frustration and that burnout on their face. I agree. It's got to it's got to be twofold. You have to care about the patient, but you also have to care about your employees. Yeah. Yeah, and
1: I think having a work family, and what happens is the push for productivity. Then, it, like. Where I was working, the push was to get there and get out on the floor. They didn't want you. They got rid of the department. There's so, like little there, there was no time to build collaboration and caring with each other. And that's where a contented workforce comes from. And, and having people of all ages, I mean, in your work environment, I would venture to say most people are pretty young. And yeah. where are the long where are the people like me that that love the profession, love mentoring? And you know, I would do it be a CI, but where my value was was being up there with you to ask a question, the one question, and then move on. Just knowing that you weren't alone and you had somebody to help you. You burn out because you don't know and you don't know what to do next. We're, we're we're not dating our young <laughs>
0: <laughs> I agree with that I think I think a lot of young therapists go and they get jobs and they think it's potentially the norm but you know what it doesn't have to be the norm and I think if we had I don't want to say older therapists more experienced therapists right. um you know they could advocate for us more and really remind us as to what healthcare used to be. Because I remember before we were on this podcast, you were telling me that, that, you know, the therapists that you were working with like 20 ish years ago are no longer working now. And it's almost because they've sort of been pushed out for the younger clinicians. Um, They really
1: have because we, we don't, what Experience was very valued until what happened with all with lean management and Six Sigma, some of these business models like that Toyota model and they and the US, you know, the army and the military that that was all about efficiency yeah. And I did a systematic, I did a literature review of lean management in healthcare. And it was interesting because it's quoted all the time lean, lean, lean. And there were out of 219 journal articles, there were only 19 that really were statistically significant in peer reviewed journals. And the 19 actually found that although some process improvement was Going that for the most part, patient satisfaction and employee satisfaction went down in that environment. And so a lot of what's happening, I think, is the business model that it's all about efficiency. And I know I've heard people say they don't people don't care about, they would rather see the therapist earlier in the morning, like lining up like a taxi cab at the airport, get in the first cab, you know, take mm-hmm. the first therapist when really, they're, they're I'm a neuro-based therapist at heart and really worked with the autonomic nervous system fight and flight response. And so if people don't feel good, they're hurt, they're sick, they get to know you, you're safer. Meeting new, a new person activates their system. They don't want that, but the business model says, hey, efficiency is what they want. It, we go into this because we're people people. Yeah. And we're not allowed to keep seeing the same person. And I think that's a lot of where the burnout goes as I well, can... but it's, you know, and I, I think I always like to stay in the positive. What are the solutions? Yes. Versus then, you know, Oh, it's been this. Yeah, it was great. And there were good things about it. There were good things about, you know, evidence-based practice. I think that's important for us to have, but what about I think the pendulum swing is going to come back there's no doubt in my mind and I like the things that I see you doing and other therapists do y'all are thinking outside of the box and and you're you're advocating for your value and yeah. we know it's there but how how do we come together and get people to listen to us
0: I agree. Exactly. It's got to be a, a unified voice. And I think yes. that's what I am trying to do is is help people illustrate that they have multiple talents, is that they are worthwhile. And the same with you, Donna and Meredith Caston, you know, all of us are trying to rise up and and advocate for our profession. And it doesn't, we don't want to leave this profession. I love- no being a physical therapist. I say every day, I love being a physical therapist and I love my patients. I will brag about them till till forever. They are so amazing and so hardworking, but it's the day to day. And, and you know what? I love my job. I love my coworkers, but it, it's those other things. It's the systems, the productivity and that. And that is, if we change that, then I think it, w- it will change. And, and that's exactly where I want to go with this next is, is let's come up with solutions because this is not to complain. I don't want this to be a complain fest. Yeah, and, and that's not what we're here for. But, but you know Donna has seen the change in healthcare. And I think listening uh, to your voice, especially, and other people that are experienced therapists can help us advocate better because you can understand the model like it used to be and try to integrate that with the current model.
1: And I think that one thing that happens to my generation is they've gone quiet. I don't know why, but I just, I like collaboration and teaching. And so I've always been, I I look at the people that I'm friends with and, but the older therapists, my age grouping, for the most part, they go off their own ways that they, that they've separated themselves. And so they're kind of immersed more in this it in the way it used to be instead of getting involved and going, let's collaborate. Hey, you know, these are the things we used to really love and what can we do to bring this part in and what if we all stand together? I think there's some of that missing, but that's why I love talking to you and Meredith and staying in the positive way.
0: Yes. Yes, exactly. I see on Facebook too, a lot of people having the burnout, but try to take it positive. You know, where can you go with that burnout? You know, who can you speak to about that burnout and, and find solutions and and find positivity? I agree hundred percent. And I think, you know, there's a lot of things that it, I don't think the solutions are too, too hard. You know, I, I think I we, I think we talked about the, um, the surplus. I think that, that I think that, Having more of a scarcity model, I think that there's almost too many PT schools, and we're almost building and creating too many physical therapists. I think we almost have to slow that down and focus more on the quality of the therapist. You know, I do a lot of mentorship with new graduates, and mm-hmm. they come to me and they don't know how to find a job. They don't know how to interview. They don't know how to write resumes. And we'll get to some some interview. Yeah, they really. That's
1: why I'm and laughing. I'm yes,
0: going, we'll, we're going to get to some tips yeah. with you really soon. But it's exactly like that. They don't know how to do these. And I always say that I went to physical therapy school and I learned how to do physical therapy, but not how to be a physical therapist. Physical and, therapist. and that's more than just a manual skills. It's more than just manipulation. Uh-huh. It's more than just anatomy and physiology. It's communication. It's organization. It's business. It's it's honestly, it's life pacing, activity pacing. You know, we teach our patients that, but we have to do Amen. it. Too. so many things. Advocation. I think that... You know, if you graduate and you don't know those things, then almost your physical therapy program has sort of done you a disservice. And I think that
1: that's, that's... about teaching that better. And uh, and I see that coming out that people they in school it seems like they're told, oh, you're going to have all this respect. You're going to have this. Yeah. You're you're a doctor. You're this and this, and you've got to own it. And it, you get out, and it's like, oh. Okay. This is now that they told me it was going
0: to be. Yes, they're they're not
1: preparing them. I think. Yes, yes.
0: So but, I know, would. Yeah. Exactly, I, I think I would. What I would like, and I think that how to prevent the burnout is almost to focus on quality. You know, quality over quantity wins every time. If we have every more, time. if we have more amazing physical therapists, and this is for OTs, PTs, you know, speech therapists, this is for everyone because mm-hmm. that's what this podcast is for everyone. But if we have more quality therapists we will shine and be even more amazing to our patients, even more amazing to the hospital, even more remarkable. And that will actually improve uh, the jobs for us, improve the progression for us and improve our salaries.
1: Well, what will happen is that we'll be making a difference. I think as we learn to listen better, I I was told one time, a Dr. And he said, if you ever don't know what's wrong with somebody, ask the patient. And rather than having my ego involved in it, be curious. If they're not getting better, if, they, if it does seem like the, the pain is in their head, ask myself, what am I missing? Yeah. When I get with a person, it's just like letting the rest of the world disappear. They're my only patient. Yes. Yeah. And that way they can't smell my busyness on me. Because I've made that decision. If I have to just see you today, that's all that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, and I, if I do that with each patient, then they feel different. They, but I think that a lot of people go, I'm, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. Yes. And the patients can tell. Uh, oh, so they can 100% tell. We, we're not taught how to efficiently function and maintain that personal connection what are what are the kind of we're great communicators but then we get so busy it gets lost
0: I I 100% agree. I think that that's why you're hearing like a rise in cash-based practices because people, and I've heard it from other people, you know, other patients and and people wanting to find physical therapists, they're like, I don't want to go to that clinic because it's just a puppy mill. You know, they see me for five minutes and they move on to the next person. I don't get any service. And so you're seeing a rise in cash-based because people want that quality one-on-one. So it's almost like reflecting poorly on physical therapists because we need time. And I think that, that the healthcare model isn't for time. It's not it for, for need that.
1: No. But we and need that that's why I've gone into home health. Yeah. Because you know, when i the first time I felt myself irritated about how long a patient was taken in the bathroom, I was like, this isn't their fault. They're a person. <laughs> and you know, but I could, I could hear the business model going, you're not going to have your productivity today and I'm going to get written up. And like, so I, I ended up in home health. And so maybe my work life balance can be scrunched, but I can spend the time with the patients without somebody really pushing me for that productivity. Okay. So there, you can find ways. I know so many people that are doing cash, cash based, and it's a beautiful thing. they are getting amazing results because they can spend the time.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about some solutions here in review. So, you know, Donna and I have spent some time talking about burnout and trying to theorize why it's going on. But here are some quick solutions for For um, fellow therapists, I think one is to try to advocate for yourself in your job, you know, talk to the supervisor and and your lead therapist and talk to them about that. And I think, um, you know, get a mentor like someone who's been there before and they can help you advocate. I um, because it's really productivity. It's if you feel pushed and busy, there's that. I think trying to advocate for more time with your patients will make you feel more satisfied because you'll be getting better quality as well as feeling less busy and less, you know, stressed.
1: One of the things that you're talking that crosses my mind is, to me, I wonder, like, you know, it's that whole thing going back to the root cause that Ask, you know, advocate for all that you're talking about, but also look for mentoring on documentation. What can I do to improve my documentation so I'm doing less of it? Yes. What actually needs to be on the documentation so that I'm not spending an equal amount of time documenting as compared to when I'm the patient? Yes, you know, it, a lot of times it might it take me an hour and a half to start and then it's two hours to do the documentation. That's just wrong. So I need to go back to the drawing board and look at me. What? There's got to be a better mousetrap. And do we need to look at more efficiently wording things? And are there ways that we can grow with that so that you're not just spinning your wheels? So I think that those are important components too. And I think, to me, recognizing the difference between when you're being asked to do something that's unethical, when it's crossing a line, that this is not about patient care. Like um, that, That knowing where that is and really sticking to it. I think that a lot of people need jobs and they're trying to pay off loans and I'm seeing people get really pressured in a way that, that, that concerns me.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Always advocate for yourself, especially your professional license. You've gone through all this, so you don't want to right. lose that professional license. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, speaking, um, <laughs> speaking of, you know, you have a talent and you help people write a resume and really create a professional identity and I think that that is also going to help with burnout because I think that if you can find a better job or if you can show in your resume that you're worth more, that you can maybe have a better salary and have a better um, uh, you know, uh, position. So can you talk a little bit about what you help people with in terms of their resume?
1: Yeah, I'm going to give you an example that I think is beautifully done I have a really good friend who is a therapist who's uniquely and expertly qualified so she was transitioning and she was a lead critical care therapist and so she was she is now teaching national level and so she needed a CV a curriculum vitae, that document that, that she had the skills for that. She also quit where she was working. She needed to apply as a, a regular per diem therapist. Like, And then in the meantime, she ended up applying to a major home health corporation as a program director. She needed three different career documents. She got all three jobs because we tailored each one. People... People need to remember that resumes are not about what you want and they're about showing the employer you're capable of doing, not potentially doing, but what your skill set is. And I think a lot of times where people go wrong is they don't look at the qualifications that are written down for the job description. You need to be hitting at least about 80 to 90% of them in this job market. And Mm -hmm. if you don't have them, what do you need to go get to be that qualification? How can you get that to experience? How do you creatively move into that? And there are all kinds of ways that people aren't, they're too black and white about it. And one of the things you don't, one of the things that scares me when people start burning out and leave, because invariably I promise you you're to need or in want your license three to 15 years from now if you do not keep your foot in the door, at least even just see one patient a month per day, because then you're showing continuity. And as a resume writer, I can see your love for patient care. But if you leave, because you want to go try something else for two or three years, when you come back, you're going to be competing against people that haven't left. And that's what people don't realize. So don't, Keep your foot in the door somehow. I mean, even if it's like one Saturday afternoon a month, what you know, find a way that you've got some patient contact. You no, know, as you go off, or one of the I knew somebody that wanted to go, um, that wanted to sell medical devices. So, as a PT, great clinical skills, but they wanted sales experience. Well, we sell health but nobody knows that. So one of the fastest way to get experience in that position, maybe drop down to a part-time position or whatever, then get some kind of position, enterprise, rent a car, go work somewhere like that because they have great sales training. Do that for six to nine months. Then you've got your sales training. Then you can go sell pharmaceuticals, do that for two years. Then you're who a medical device company wants to sell. So rather than moaning about wanting to go in sales for three years, if you proactively plan, how do I create and develop these skills that would get me? What am I missing? Mm-hmm. You've got to look at what you're missing and then proactively go get it. Whether you volunteer, you, you intern, you one day a week, you this or that, whatever it is, you can. is, we're fortunate there's so many per diem jobs out there. Yes, <laughs> that we can't we have, you know, and I think people sometimes don't realize how lucky we are that that as we learn to augment, you know, and focus on those skills. But I think that your career, your career documents, how you present yourself. Uh, one of the blog posts I recently wrote was many you're running a your basic resume, but you've got to customize it. To each individual job, because what you're doing is like if you were tr- if you were the hiring manager, and I'm talking to you, I've got to go, Emma. The reason you want me is because of X, Y, and Z. A lot of times, as the applicant, you forget that maybe 500 resumes have come across your desk. Yeah. And with the applicant tracking systems, and people don't even understand about that. PT schools, the career people that help them. Don't even know to tell. They don't. There's so many things about professional resumes that that the resumes aren't even getting past the computers, the application process, the job boards, because they're not written to identify keywords. The applicant tracking system is a really interesting thing that. 80% 80 of the jobs you're going to apply for, unless it's like a private clinic, are going to use an applicant tracking system. And so what happens is if you're using a job board or you're uploading your resume, it's going through an applicant tracking system. And so basically they're looking for keywords and then they're scoring them. And so that's how they get a ranking. So if they get, like it used to be a job that was advertised in the newspaper, they might get 25 resumes. Now online, they'll get a 500. And so how do they rank them? They send them through. And so they're looking for people that, you know, they look at things like zip codes. They don't want to hire somebody from like across the country because they know you're going to come and leave. So you've got to be strategic and think about those kind of things when you're doing your resume. You've got to get the keywords. A lot of times when people talk about their skill set, they're, they're describing soft skills, like people, person, um, leadership skill. you know that's every one of us. What a, comp, what a hiring manager wants to know is, tell me some examples of when you turned something around. When were you when did you display leadership? And so, as I've found across the board, healthcare providers have a really difficult time tooting our own more. Who are team players. And so how do you take your team accomplishments and put that on your individual resume? And so those are the kinds of things that I help people do so that they can really be the ones that are noticed
0: i think that's uh, i i agree 100 with what you said donna um i went through and helped my supervisor recently with a series of interviews and we looked at the resumes to you know try to help pick candidates to work with us and some of the main things i saw and this is for you know all therapists out there pts ot speech i think you can all take the gleams of of knowledge from donna and, and what i what we're sharing is make it specific you know in the objective say that you want to get hired at x facility you know don't just have it be generic actually have that in there um yes yeah, zip-
1: it, it's interesting too that because like the way you like objectives the only people that really should have an objective is a new grad
0: mm-hmm. that
1: you need a summary statement yes about you know basically your two to four sentence You know, there are all kinds of different ways to present it that say, this is why you want me. You've got six or seven seconds to capture the attention of a hiring manager. So you've got to have kind of why you're that person and you put up there, yes, I'm, I want, I'm a, you put your job profile, physical therapist or staff, physical therapist or women's health, physical therapist, whatever it is, the job is being advertised as you put that as your header, your yes. employment. So there, there's so many tips like that. And, that, and that's what I've noticed is that we don't really, as a profession, as healthcare providers, we don't really understand that part of it. And if you go to, one of my concerns is like with resume writers, because they're highly trained, they charge a lot of money. We don't have that much money. And so that's kind of where like, I have this knowledge and I've got two certifications, national certifications on resume writing. And that's why I've done, I'm probably like persona non grata in the resume community because I, I give out so much free information and, but I'm just targeting like healthcare providers and helping them because I want to help them get, get jobs. I want them to find jobs that I've loved as much as jobs that I've had. And how do you distinguish yourself and what career documents do you need along the way that to create those? Because I can't tell you how many phone calls I get two nights before a resume is due. I really want this job. I didn't know there would be this opportunity. I'm like, I'm sorry, I've got documentation to do. So that's where my idea for my business came from is to give people the tools to do as much as they're comfortable doing And then, like, have a do-it-yourself component of it. You know, this is what you need to look at, give advice like this. So that's what's on my blog post is, you know, what is the ATS? How to work with the ATS? What is the difference between a resume now and a resume in the past? And when do you use your CV versus your resume? What's a hybrid one? What do I do about a job gap? Hey, guess what? I had this great opportunity to go um, backpacking through Central America and South America for nine months. Is that going to be a problem for me? How do I explain that on my resume? Because that will hurt you in a career situation if you don't handle it correctly. It's not that you can't do it. So it's those kind of things. Like if you can go write your own resume, that's great. But what do you do about these difficult things and how do you transition from a clinician if you've been straight clinical and then if you want to move into a more administrative how do you demonstrate those skills and those are the things that we struggle with i think as a profession how do we package ourselves to be noticed and appreciated for the skills that we've got
0: Now i think your skills are extremely valuable i agree 100 with you i mean i think Twofold. One is I think people don't understand that having an amazing cover letter and resume is extremely important. I think people just sort of pass that on and they think, oh, my clinical skills were shine, but you have to just get in the door. The first thing that any hiring manager sees is your CV and resume. So you actually need to have an amazing CV and resume. So don't just gloss that over because you have, or maybe applying to a million places.
1: And it's my director where I was working in an acute care hospital. She showed me, the, and I was shocked at the the lack of formatting, the number of grammatical errors. And she's like, how in the heck does this person think I'm going to let them in an ICU when they can't even spell the word right? (laughs) You know, so those are the kinds of things. My main career mentor always said that the best way to get a job People hire people they know. And so you've got to be strategic. You've got to, I think that we as professionals don't realize how important being on LinkedIn is and that networking isn't just who the obvious are. It's, you know, get on, do you have a LinkedIn profile that really is consistent with your resume? And then as you connect with people, then you see that there's that, seven degrees of separation with everybody there's is there somebody that knows somebody you know you don't have to actually be friends with the person that introduces you to get the job you get jobs hire employ, employers want to hire people that their employees know and come out for they're gonna, they're they're gonna be a much more successful hire than than offer. Of only five percent of people that apply, three to five percent that apply off of a job board get a job, and that's so you've got to get out there and network.
0: One hundred percent, one hundred percent.
1: But you do need those documents, you know, because you go in and there's like, where's your resume? Like one of my blog posts is, or a. a resumes are alive and well is yours you know because guy, you gotta have one and if you don't then you're not going to put yourself out there yeah and so however it is and I'm one of the things I did that was real interesting I looked at a lot of the free write your own resumes these free sites and stuff and so I critiqued them from and all of them they, it's like, they'll, you can do them for free, but then if you get their version, the free version, they put their watermark on it, and it's all this funky stuff, and then by the time, like, you, you have to pay, and so I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea to do, so what do people do? I mean, it's just, like, how, how, are, how the people you know, how are they getting their resumes? Are they I think- writing?
0: I think I think a lot of people are writing them themselves. Um, you know, if you can go into Publisher and Microsoft Word and they've got some templates. And so you can make a template and you can format it. Um, and so a lot of people are doing it themselves. But I will be 100% honest with you is that I've seen a lot of different resumes and they don't look high quality and they really vary in formatting. And the other thing is that this is not being emphasized and and really taught. So listen to what Donna's saying, because I think that this is extremely important. Um, and you need to have consistency in your formatting to stand out. Like if you, especially non-clinical too, I think you were sort of segueing into that as well, yeah. is non-clinical. If all you have is... Physical therapy, or occupational therapy skills, but yet you want to become an administrator. How do you do that? You have to really format your resume and your cover letter and really highlight certain things yeah. and be creative.
1: And you have to dig deeper into when you've had those skills. Like there, there's strategy. And that's what I'm trying, you know, because I'm trying to create. An avenue for people that have these questions: What do I do, and how do I describe this? You know, when when do I include this job if the job doesn't apply for the one you're wanting? Like my friend that I was talking about that ended up getting the program director job. If the the job that she wanted for PRN, if she had given them the program director job, they wouldn't have hired her because she was ever qualified. If she gave them the PRN resume, she would never have gotten into the job yeah so she, what we did was highlight the particular skills she was the same person on every document there was nothing fictitious about any of them it's just it's okay to leave stuff off that isn't pertinent you're proving your case and I think one of the things I wanted to circle back to with the templates that you get, a lot of them are not applicant tracking system compliant. They're not ATS compliant. And what happens is if you don't hear back when you've submitted a resume, it means you got kicked out. So you don't know if you've gone into the dark hall. If you're not compliant, they don't come back and tell you, hey, your resume is not compliant. You just don't hear from them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the scary part to me. And you can't, the problem is there are over 300 different applicant tracking systems. So you can't just figure one out and know how to write it. So that's what I've tried to do is, you know, you want a basic template that is going to get through that system. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm trying, like that's what I'm in the process of making is saying, Hey, If you want a template that will work and get through it, here it is. If you want it for free, this is it. You know, and and I've donated that to the APTA, the student part, because I want people to have these documents that are going to get them the job. I don't want them thrown out through the, the applicant tracking system.
0: So for listeners, I will put in the podcast show note links, the um, links to the APTA template so that you can go and find Donna's templates. Um, At the end of the show too, uh, I'll get Donna's information and her website so that you guys can find her and ask her any questions and to go and look on her website if you want more specific guidance on this. So I feel like we could talk forever about this, Donna. But I also know that you did another really amazing talk on creating a professional. Identity, and I was wondering if you could just share a little (laughs) bit. Share a little bit about that.
1: Creating your professional identity has there are three legs to it. I say that there's your social media presence. You got to be careful how that looks. Um, You've you've got to be on it. A lot of people think that if you like my name's Donna Lampke and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to hide myself. I don't want employers. And so my Facebook page is Donna Lou. Um, they're still going to find me because they have ways that they, they look at the, the email that you're signing up on. So they know all. And I know a lot of hiring managers and 90%, 90% plus of them say that they look at your social media presence. And so they're looking at inappropriate things you've posted. They're looking to see how many alcoholic looking pictures you have, what kind of partier you may or may not be, you know, what you're liking, what you're not liking. They're looking at that. And it's interesting because on a resume, you can't put your picture on it because otherwise you're going to be excluded because they, they won't look at your resume because they'll, they could be accused of ageism, so they they want it to be generic like that. However, they'll go look on your LinkedIn pitch profile where you need the pictures. They're they're looking at you, so you really need. So your social media is a big part of it. Is you've got to have a LinkedIn presence, and there's certain guidelines. And as my well, my website is kind of a work in progress, so if you have a question, I'll, I have all the stuff. I'm I'm learning how to do websites and that's like out of my comfort zone, but I have all the information so I can share it with you individually. And then as I'm developing the business, but I have a lot of templates that I I definitely want to make available, how to do your basic CV and your resume and stuff like that, how to create a LinkedIn profile, what needs to be in it, how many connections you need to have just basically. So your social media presence You need a basic resume so that when you want to customize it, that you're good to go. So you've got your your education down, your jobs that you've done. (coughs) You can kick them in and out and shift them around, but you need your running document. Mm -hmm. Your CV is the story of your career your resume is you selling yourself. So there are two different documents and you need to know when to use what. If you, if you want, if you're going to give a presentation at combined sections or, you know, a state conference, you need a CV. You don't need to sell yourself. You just need that career document that in a, like a CV list, you know, I've, I've created a custom template versus the one that was on the APTA. I don't like it. It's not a good one. Okay. So I have one that, that I'll be glad to send out to the people that kind of lists like a summary statement, then your education, and then a list of your jobs, publications, all of those kind of things. That's a great running document for you. So you're kind of always looking at those things. And then you just want to remember that networking is, as you create your professional identity, and, and really all it is, is okay, you're a therapist, so, a PTA, a PT, an OT, a speech therapist. I just, I love the allied health family. What, what's your niche? You know, why do people, why would people come to you? And if you, you know, and I I love the the expression reverse engineering, what do you want to be? Who do you want to be? What, you know, what is, what is that end game? And then reverse engineer What do I need to become that? I know Years ago, I went back to PT school when I was 30 years old. I'd been a travel agent. And somebody, a career counselor said, what do you want to be? I said, well, if I, if I could be anything, I'd want to be a physical therapist, but there's no way. And so she sat me down and she goes, what would it take? Well, it took me going back for two years. I graduated from Chapel Hill with a degree in having a good time. So that meant I had to start back at ninth grade math on how to like learn algebra. So I could take the one class I needed to go to Chapel Hill. And so I did two years of prereqs, but I did, I went and asked, I went to the admissions office and said, who do y'all let in? Who's your ideal candidate? And I became that candidate. So if you've got a pipe dream, if you, if you want to take your clinical skills and this is what you want to do, you've got to reverse engineer that. How do you get the skills on your resume that are going to be the ones that the employer goes, this is our person. And that, you know, and I think that that we don't, we don't just analyze it. as Simply as that, don't you think?
0: I agree. I agree. I think, you know, where, what are your goals? Where do you want to get to? And just make it simple. I think people complicate it and, and make those goals too lofty and big and just break it down, make it simple. Where do you want to get to? And how, do you, how can you get there the fastest and the easiest?
1: Yeah, yeah and, I think that, and I think you can't, I think what like the services that you're doing and these other people that are doing it, we, we need somebody that will help us outside of the box that are exploring. You're talking to so many different people. Yes, the these are the fire starters, you guys, the ones that are doing that. And because if we're going to become bigger and more expansive and retain a valuable degree, because if we don't, we're going to end up costing ourselves out of it. You know, you see like the rehabilitation teams and in, in the in the skill, you know, we've got to really understand where our value is and how to describe it and how to sell it. Yes. I'm excited about what's going on in the field. I think that, you know, one of the things I would love to do is figure out how to get the APTA on board with this better. And I just don't really understand the best ways to do that.
0: I think but. these are these are the best ways, you know. I think it's sharing our ideas, communicating communicating with each other, networking, and I'm gonna tell you networking has just been amazing. It professionally and non-professionally, I'm gonna tell you if if you are feeling um you know, maybe just trapped in your career at all, just start talking to people on Facebook groups, on LinkedIn, other things. I mean, starting this podcast has been one of my best experiences because I just get to meet and talk with amazing people. And I've learned so much in the past like m- two months of podcasting and just by talking to amazing people. Yeah. And I would have never been able to do that without this. So, and I'm just hoping a lot of people are learning and getting inspired and just think out-, out outside of the box. And I hope our voices will grow and I think healthcare will become better and I think we'll become better, better clinicians. Yeah. And Donna. I think we will and thank you so much for, for sharing the free templates and all this like free uh, knowledge and experience. I think I can't remember if we were talking about it on this podcast or not, but um, you know the, the more experienced therapists, I th- I would love for them to have more of a voice right now and share the voice like like you have because you have the experience and the knowledge. We need you to become better. We need you to be better. And so, the more people that are experienced that have these amazing voices,
1: well, and I think that you know we're inspired by you guys. It's interesting why they're losing their voice, yeah. and and it's nice to kind of be in both because yeah. the the DPTs don't think about the BS and the MSs that yeah. way, yeah. But yeah. they 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 they've become little because they don't have that, and it's I think. I think that social media and connecting in the Facebook groups and that just the accessibility of, of connecting with somebody with you that can publicize our voices, Meredith. And, and I love the, I think it's very congenial. Nobody's trying to be territorial about it. It's just, everybody's helping everybody. And, and, understanding yeah what is burnout and we've got something valuable you don't want to start back over at something else and maybe you don't like that you know you love this you just don't maybe like the setting you're in
0: yeah yeah there's lots of creative ways so what is one last big piece of advice you would want to give to healthcare professionals
1: always be ready for that next opportunity and that means just your file drawer somewhere have update your CV yearly, Mm -hmm. put your presentations. You want it ready to go because you don't want to miss out on that golden opportunity because you don't have your act together. And it's, it can be overwhelming, but that's what I'm trying to do. And, you know, give out the free stuff. And then if you get stumped and can't do it, then, you know, the next part of what I'm trying to do is work on, okay, for, for consulting fee, tell you, you know, help you know what to do and all that, but really put a lot of the information out there that helps you look more professional.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Um, And lastly, where can people go if they have questions or if they want to learn more about you, I'll obviously put the, put the links for the APTA, but I know you have a website and a couple other things.
1: I would say the best way um, my new baby website, um, Di career docs, Dot com. No, just reach out to me. My my email is u n c p is in Paul T nine zero at Gmail, and I'll get back to you. And if anybody has any questions, and maybe if I don't have the answer, at least be able to steer you in the right direction. And I'm trying to write out as many blog posts as possible with the questions I'm looking for your pain point. Yeah, and that's what I'm writing to what's causing you like, that's why I went and tried to do resumes on these free sites because I I wanted to know if this is something I could tell you to go do
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, I was like, if it stumped me with two like (laughs) resume certifications, I'm like, I don't know about (laughs) So, so, But I'm trying to make it so that you can do it yourself because I know, especially if you're a new grad, you're on a two string budget and that's kind of, I wanted to donate those, but I'll make sure I have them available. And so people want to reach out
0: uh thank you and and i'll put links to everything and and maybe we can even link up uh that to save you some time doing emails um so they can just go to the show notes or something like that we'll figure we'll figure it out but donna thank you so much just for for all the knowledge you shared with the APTA with here on this podcast um i really appreciate your voice and all the time that you've spent with me so just thank you so much
1: you are so welcome. I'm so excited, about it. I truly am. I mean, it just gives me so much hope for the future of our profession and allied health. And I think about all the lives that we touch and how much better we help make it for so many.
0: 100%. Thanks, Donna.
1: Thank you. Nice to meet you.
0: You too. Thank you so much for listening to the Therapists on Fire podcast. You can find the show notes, corresponding videos, special offers, and more at DebtFreePT.com slash podcast or on our Therapists on Fire Facebook page. This podcast is all about igniting the passion within you and helping you become a financially free, location-independent therapist entrepreneur. So don't forget to subscribe to hear more amazing episodes and leave a review on iTunes so that more people can become therapists on fire and change the world.